Hi, this is the Near Future Laboratory podcast, episode 35, the special digest edition of the general seminar we ran last week called Metal Labels WTF. For the record, that was general seminar season two, number 20. You can read more about that session at generalseminar.com slash episode 20. Put all the links in the show notes. You may be wondering, what is General Seminar? Well, General Seminar is a platform for sense making I developed last year when I wanted a bit more of a context for tackling slash making sense of what I refer to as topics at the vanguard of consciousness. New ideas, new idioms, new ways of organizing, new technologies, cultural practices, movements, aesthetic genres, social rituals, configurations of people and their practices, etc. Basically, anything that was at the cusp of making sense right at the junction of quote-unquote the new. The kind of things that could have too intelligent, engaged, thoughtful people confused and saying things like, I think it is, that's what General Seminar is for. In General Seminar 20, the topic was this idiom meta-label. What the heck's that, right? This is a perfect word to unpack in General Seminar. So that's what we did. And it followed right on the heels of podcast episode 33, where I have a conversation with Yancey Strickler, who is a founder of Kickstarter and most recently a founder of something called metalabel.xyz. So there are a few references if you want more backstory. Okay, so what I'm doing here in this episode is piecing together a listener's digest from our Metalabel general seminar. To provide some context, there were 20 of us in Zoom. I started each general seminar with a design fiction brief and then folks get split up into two or three person breakout rooms to begin discussing together the brief and see where their sense making goes around the topic area. We do this deliberately through discussion. So there's no real experts, the people who maybe have some ideas, maybe no idea at all of the topic. The point is to collectively make sense of something and to come away with a richer understanding, even if you're still confused. No experts, just you making sense of something. In this case, the design fiction brief was to imagine a world of meta labels. What does that look like? What other kinds of artifacts you might find that are associated with meta labels? What are the new idioms, commerce constructs, work arrangements, swag, everything? Where is value created? Are there isolated and rare, exclusive drop-oriented art collectives? What the heck is the meta label world? After discussing the prompt for about 20 or 25 minutes, we all get back together into the main seminar room and discuss. Listening back to the session, I found about six or seven major themes where attention got focused and discussed while we were collectively making some sense of this curious notion of the meta label. I'll start with the baseline. There were a few efforts to give some definition to meta labels. I don't think the purpose of the seminar is to give a definition, but it's to sort of like paint some of the contours of it. Um, And this was very helpful just to kind of think think, uh, what is a meta label. So let's just start there with some thoughts um, that Camille and Dan kicked off. Meta labels are faceless, mission-driven clout collectors. They're made, they uh, create cultural content. Any products, any sales they derive are secondary to the spreading of their cultural content. Uh, so I have longer than that. Um, my thing is that they are, I can say what they're not, they don't have HR departments. They don't have accounts receivable. Um, they are smaller. They don't care about winning. Like they don't care about, I don't think they care about getting big. Like the point of it isn't to sell the most stuff. Camille said something really interesting about like the point is to be exclusionary. 
or the point is to be very kind of tightly defined in what you what you are and what you're not and it's totally okay for that thing to be quite small um but then for your influence to be outsized it's like a decentralized community with a clear mission um but the I'll be honest, from my perspective, the meta label thing is like, it's inspiring, it's collecting some interesting ideas, but it's for me, it's mostly observations of things people have done. I, I find the definition really elusive. Um, I was, I had this very short arc of excitement um, about it. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I, like I, I the, the DAO that I'm in should be a meta label. This totally makes sense. And I'm like, it's like, what, what would we change? You know, there's some really, and like the seasons things really like, strikes me as like a feature of it being people sort of, side gig and we're trying to kind of corral a bunch of people. So we're just trying to focus into one product as opposed to an ongoing thing. Like, it, so I find it inspiring, but, um, and, and maybe kind of more of this moment of like finding, there are so many more ways to organize. Um, it struck me as like, oh, this is exactly the kind of way I'd like to approach any sort of brand I work with, right? What, what are you about and how do you do this? And maybe it doesn't work for a super utilitarian utility in Hong Kong, but, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty clear what that's about, but but things that have a mission, you know, I've seen tons of great brands that have these sort of labs that just churn things out that it's like are, are expressions of an idea. Um, so, you know, I, I think meta labels make sense as like these sort of ephemeral scenes of this moment. And, um, but to me, what I'd rather see is how can we take that and say, okay, well, maybe we don't have to build a corporation that lasts forever, right? It, it's okay to kind of be a moment and then move on. Right. Um, so, and, and that, and that's like my big hope with, with DAOs in general, you know, being more community oriented and, and locally oriented so that we can solve problems on that level. Cause frankly, a lot of governments and large corporations just can't do that. They can't cut it. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I, the way I see it is it, to me, this is adding to the gray area that we can play in, um, I, as opposed I, to having to make this leap. Yeah, I, I totally dig that. So there are a couple of things. And, and one of the reasons why I maybe mentioned, like, is this like, um, it should have been more clear to say like is it collide is it, is it brands plus like this new kind of whatever you want to call it tooling ways of organizing um not to say it becomes the the, the evil part of brands but brands as we got a purpose we have a voice we have a story and maybe this resonates with you enough so that you buy our underarm deodorant um but the you know, like the better side of that so that you can enroll people into something that has some kind of of um like as affective infrastructure i love this i believe in this i want to be a part of this mm -hmm. how can i support this but i also like the idea that it doesn't have to be this thoroughgoing institution which you're having started a few companies like it can become exhausting and you just kind of want to be like hey can we wrap this up and it's actually really hard and ironically expensive to tie mm -hmm. things up you know unwind things in an orderly neat fashion that's why a lot of people just kind of like light a match and just burn the place down whoops which is maybe the interesting thing about DAOs. this idea that no one actually has to be there for it to work is kind of interesting uh or or that if, if people stop you know if they stop using their tokens to activate certain procedures then oh well i guess like a lot of computer programs it's just lying dormant nothing's working okay so Camille was leaning into this idea that metal labels are both faceless, exclusionary, and ephemeral in some fashion. This is certainly a mode of behavior by which some of the more curious entities or collectives that we might call proto-metal label operate by. Things like Mischief, which are truly peculiar enough 
that they are they're going to exclude some people because what they do doesn't make sense to very many people probably most people and in fact what they do really only makes sense if you enjoy things that don't make sense to very many people and the appeal of something like mischief is quite like quite likely that it doesn't make sense to very many people so if you get that then you're in and we can wear the flag of being in by virtue of getting the irony of that semantic maneuvering dan also describes a variant of this feeling of being in by analogy to the idea of a mystery box just a little production note there there was something warbly with uh with dan's microphone so it's a little bit distracting but um just uh, ignore it <laughs> yeah it's like an internet disrupted zeitgeist where there isn't just one there's loads of them yep. it's really difficult to make a taxonomy of them they are fluid they can come from anywhere and they can grow super quickly and they can disappear overnight it's that ephemeral nature there's also the exclusionary nature because it's like oh I, I gotta get this now you know this company may not be here in two weeks like you don't necessarily know if this is someone's side project or not because you don't necessarily know if you're affiliated unless you know the person right mm. like if you know the creator of whatever do you still think of it as a meta label or do you think of it as john smith's pool suite project yeah, i think if you kill the mystery like you know maybe meta labels only appear to meta labels to people who aren't in the know enough about members etc otherwise oh it's this person's brand it's this person's company that kind of internet anonymity aspect is such part of the like appeal of it because it seems like a mutual secret i feel like anyway that's the exclusivity aspect yeah it was the idea of if if the meta labels are faceless and if you look at something like mischief and the drama around the drops and the episodic nature of it then it was like is a meta label like a mystery box brand like the way that jj abrams talks about his mystery box method of storytelling so it's there's something that's sufficiently intriguing like there's there's always something new that you're like wait what the fuck why is there a polar bear there what is this hatch for that keeps potentially stringing you along which isn't to say that that is like a primary definition or a characteristic of a meta label but it feels like that's definitely something that they can use that is meta labely ish well it reminds me of how before pool suite like drop their sunscreen they're like oh yeah something's coming we're doing something guys you know like and like when they first announced they're doing a sunscreen i didn't think it was a real sunscreen it's like this is something else I totally like did. this is going to be an empty bottle like this isn't real right like it's you don't trust the you don't necessarily trust what they're going to produce product wise but you trust that it's you know something that's gonna like bring you joy, you know, you know, you're going to enjoy it, but you don't know what it is. So that's all certainly interesting. And I, I personally get the appeal of that maneuver of making something exclusive and elusive. Um, I had um, built a high-end brand that was in some ways uh, adopted these characteristics, but I think that's just one aspect of what something that is a meta label can be. But I think it's way too soon to say that characteristic defines whatever a meta label might be. Although I get where the impulse might come from that wants to play around with this feeling that can be evoked by making something exclusive or deliberately challenging to establish norms or establish sensibilities. I mean, that's change, isn't it? To create something that pushes the boundary of what makes sense. And that's a natural impulse of what we might think of as the artistic consciousness or the cultural warriors consciousness. There were some responses to this idea of the exclusive elusive character 
that has been identified in some proto-metal label projects like Mischief. Let's give a listen. In response to what Dan is saying in the Discord, I want to poke at that idea of not enough fucking around because does a meta label have to only be an adult thing? <laughs> and that's one of the things that's interesting about 826 is because um, the the what's sold in their shop is what the students produce and it fits in with the identity of each one of these discrete local chapters. So Zachary was really blown away by the fact that there was a um a, a mem not a memoir it's like a whatever a publication that's literally on pre-order already that's from seventh and eighth graders <laughs> from the local new orleans chapter um and so there like why why is a meta label something that has to be like product consumerist like you know um yeah does it have to be limited to um a, a certain level of i don't know thumbing your nose at things can it also be more accessible kind of sphere as well i guess what i'm trying to say is what do we mean by exclusionary because for the kids at 826 this is a treehouse this is a safe space right which is what they try to create whereas we're talking about exclusionary as um cool Right, like it's a it it adds. I don't want to say prestige, but clout, clout to borrow um, Camille's term. The fuck around piece feels like one flavor of meta label, right? The tie that binds for me, which I really liked and drew me to the to Yancey's writing, is it's about a shared value system, a shared vision, a philosophy that everybody is like on the same page, and that paired with the loose structure allows people to just, you know, do things that serve that greater vibe or value or vision. Um, and, and those can come to life in more earnest ways or in more sort of shit posty ways. Another take on some of the DNA of a meta label was related to a notion of vibe, which I guess was laid down and sort of specified in a precise way for this particular cultural moment in an article called Vibe Shift which I hadn't read or even knew about until Keely mentioned it here in General Seminar. She says, of course, everyone's heard, read about it, and I hadn't, so, which is fine. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. Did I already say that? I'll have a link in the show notes. We discussed this idea of vibe further throughout the seminar, but this notion is condensed uh, with what Keely says. I get intuitively that there's something associated with creating feeling rather than just creating utility. That is particular to meta labels and maybe that's an interesting kind of way of characterizing it alongside other uh sort of these contemporary social formations architectures like DAOs. a meta label is undergirded by feeling and i think of this particularly in the context of things like um pool suite is it a meta label i don't know a24 i definitely feel a lot from what they do mischief which has a, a particular like insider outsider do you get it or not weirdness to it and that's more feeling like there there are things that let's say a24 for example produces that i that that does have some kind of like entertainment utility if you want to put it that way like a beautiful beautiful film but they also do like i don't know like beach towels and caps and um beautiful books that really are expanding upon feeling rather than hey these are the core things that brands that produce 
visual entertainment in the form of films do. They usually don't. And if they do, that is, that is more in the category of swag as opposed to considered meaningful productions that, uh, that, that come from the soul of the, of the enterprise. Anyway, that's me babbling. Let's listen to what Keely has to say. Really are brands for like the vibe era. Like, like everything is a vibe right now. And that is probably why it's so hard to pin down because it's extremely hard to pin down a vibe like all feeling but what is a vibe to you what does a vibe mean it's like a collective mood because i think it's more it's more than an individual feeling i mean i'm sure everybody read the uh vibe shift article it's like there's something in the air it's like a collective spirit the zeitgeist another characteristic we discussed was scale of a meta meta label and that flowed into a discussion of the kinds of social architectures the kinds of arrangements of work and action and value creation is this a new kind of expression of capitalism was one of the terms that was used what is the value and how does it translate into meaningful work and new kinds of organizations one of the design fictions that came back was something we termed the cultural benefit corporation kind of a very impromptu variation of the b corp in the u.s tax code which is just a benefit corporation at some point, we refer to this idea of a cultural benefit corporation as a C-Corp, just parenthetically, which is, of course, already exists in the idiom of the U.S. tax code. But we are thinking that some other near future entity might exist that is for the benefit of creation of cultural meaning rather than primarily and firstly shareholder profits. Let's give a listen to this string of thoughts. Um, so just trying to, to, to come up with, you know, like, what are other proxies that we could use to define a meta label as it is today. So we were talking about the open source movement uh, for, for software. We were talking about um, cybernetics. We were talking about Nike at some point. Um, so just trying to uh, basically attach onto something and, you know, kind of going back to what, what I don't remember who, who was talking about it before, um, but a, a meta label could be that idea that enables people to go outside of a siloed approach to content creation and uh, culture creation uh, so instead of you know being in a department and coming up with a product uh, suddenly everything is horizontal and so that's where you know both the chaos and the creativity comes into place um, so yeah all very fuzzy uh, but th those are the thoughts that that were roaming around one thing we kind of agreed on, and Dan, you brought it up as well, is like it started to feel like you couldn't be a massive multinational sized 200,000 employees around the globe sized organization and still be a meta label. There did start to feel like scale slash size was going to be a limiting factor to someone being a true meta label and so we started that was when we all got pulled back in here where we were starting to try to figure out what where's the edges of this thing where's the boundaries where you fall out of meta label identity identifying <laughs> um and and you fall into something else that felt to me like institutionality so like size is one axis um um just the amount of money flowing through it like it was a bit of a joke but you know size plus institutionality plus age that's why i said things like if it has an hr department that's a signal that it's probably not a, a meta label if it has accounts receivable it's probably not a meta label if it uses stripe for everything 
it's more likely to be a meta label. Um, the way that you know PNG or whoever I see getting into it is that they send out a brief and then the creative agency comes back and says, hey, we should do a collaboration with a meta label. And then that's how they get into it rather than, you know, if they end up, I, I feel like if, if a large company buys, acquires a meta label, then it kills it within like the half label of the effectiveness of the meta label. It's like 30 seconds. It just like starts dying as soon as it gets bought. That, that was actually one of our questions I like what Andrew just said in the chat about profit seeking or seeking to be self-supported, which makes me wonder if meta labels are kind of a, um, a new expression of capitalism and a capitalism that's slightly more responsible and self-reflecting as opposed to, um, uh, up into the right stockholder or shareholder, uh, double digit ROI. <laughs> like if it's more about we we take on funds to keep the dream alive because we have a belief system that needs a blood flow to survive, not because we're trying to get stockholders their the ROI they're looking for on the bottom, on their balance sheet. So maybe it's a different type of capitalism? Question mark. Mm -hmm maybe that's where the meta comes in right if it's capitalism reflecting on itself in mm. this endless loop mm. that 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 would that would make sense i guess is it possibly filling a void in the in the ether is it probably in the past and we might have cultural anthropologists here that are more qualified than i am but in the past you had like uh, aspirational artistic movements or political movements and now those things don't necessarily exist as much and now they've merged the consumerist aspect of it with this ambition to be slightly different. However, it's just by buying ducks that make weird noises or whatever. So is it, there's a market for it. So maybe it's filling, it's filling that, that specific void of what used to be here in the past. And so it was like there, it seems like that's some sort of philosophy that's built into these ideas is that it's not about, um, IPO and you know like <laughs> we're gonna get bought out and we're I mean, but I, think that, I mean it doesn't have to be like Lamborghinis for everybody <laughs> and right IPO I mean it could just be like hey let's talk about an advance I mean the, the other thing like so there are kind of idealized labels and then there are the labels where they don't tell anybody what they're signing right and give them 50 bucks and then the artists lose control of their Mm -hmm. you know masters and things like that i mean this is just maybe a different way of organizing things mm -hmm. you know organizing patronage of the scene organizing participation in the scene making the scene like maybe more self-funding than dependent on like other outside things that might require compromise or you know whatever pandering it's like, if you have a public corporation, you're supposed to maximize shareholder profits. And then in order to get around that to have environmental causes, they made B Corps. So their mission is not to maximize shareholder profits. They can do the environmental thing. Like maybe these are C Corps. Like their mission is to uh, push their culture forward. So for you don't have to maximize benefit. cultural benefits. You for don't have public to maximize benefit. profits. Yeah. Or a co-op, right? I mean, it's just, you know, people can decide what they 
like maybe everybody decides that they're going to release something pandery to fill the treasury up so they can go do what they want to do right i mean you know i think it can be lots of different ways i mean i think the meta label.xyz thing he's just talking about trying to create tools for labels i mean he said in the podcast with julian he's trying to like i don't think he's wanting to talk about meta labels i think he's trying to retrieve the term label from kind of the dishonor it fell into right from the universal i mean talking about labels or publishers or whatever right i mean i don't know like is there some is he trying to define what a meta label is i don't know right i mean i didn't get that from the podcast anyway that doesn't mean that we don't have doesn't mean that we can't do whatever we want but i don't that wasn't what i took away from the but I think defining meta label is his way of reclaiming label, right? So labels have been contorted into this super corporatized thing that steals from artists and just like is is not serving a common good. So he can't reclaim all of that that he can't make all that baggage disappear. So meta labels are the new labels. <laughs> or meta label is who you pay for the widgets, right? That organize your label. You mean it's like so metal metal label XYZ is who you pay it's for? Like kick, it's like Kickstarter, yes. right? Metal label XYZ versus meta labels. Okay, that's a digest from General Seminar number 20, Metal Labels WTF. Thanks to all the participants. You're all amazing, intrepid creative thinkers, and you got rich, hungry imaginations. I love you guys. If you want to attend a general seminar, it's easy. Just go to generalseminar.com and see what's coming up. The next one is called Autonomous. What is the future of the autonomous way of living? That'll be on Wednesday, May 4th at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Check it out at generalseminar.com. We also have an enterprise edition of General Seminar. That's for organizations and teams looking for a way to inspect and reflect on truly new topics and ideas. We have facilitated seminars in everything from design fiction to the imagination to blockchain, incentives and synthetic brands and on and on. Send a note to me at julianbleaker.com or through the contact page at GeneralSeminar.com. And let's talk about how we can bring General Seminar right into your organization. Okay, that's it. Please consider supporting the podcast over at Patreon.com slash Near Future Laboratory. Every little bit helps me produce the podcast, General Seminar, and don't forget the Design Fiction Newsletter. You can subscribe to that over at buttondown.email slash Design Fiction. Thanks for listening, everyone. Seriously, I mean that. Thank you. I'm Julian, and I'm out. <laughs>